You're listening to the Bill Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. The sports world might be on pause right now still, but Midco SN is bringing you daily coverage of the teams you love, even in these unprecedented times. We're re-airing some of our favorite UND basketball, hockey, and football games from this past season. Plus, we've got all new summer programming coming just around the corner. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shapes Podcast, episode 33 of this season, Bill, episode 70 in the course of this podcast's history. Not too bad. 70, Bill. Wow. 33, I think a Larry Bird. Yep. So I just, uh, I don't know, who who's your number 33 that comes to mind if you were to say 33? Is it Bird? Larry Bird. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, Larry Walker, a close second. Oh, <laughs> but Larry, okay. But Larry Bird, number one, for sure. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, 33 and 70. So uh, we're climbing the mountain, Alex. Climbing Every day, every day, getting closer to that, that triple digit mark. Um, he's Bill Chaves, of course, athletics director of the University of North Dakota. I'm Alex Seinert. We're both still in separate quarters, uh, as most of you are listening from home, as this period of self-isolation and, and quarantine uh, and social distancing hits month number two, well, number three, almost seven weeks now, sort of of this really since the early part of March when some of those rulings came down and, and sports have been basically put on hold. Bill, how have you been really over the last couple of weeks? It's been about a month or so since we potted. We met up with the Fighting Hawks virtual fan forum a couple of weeks ago. How's life in these interesting times in our country. <laughs> yeah, I probably similar to to you and, and and just about everybody that's listening is that everyone's trying to uh you know be as safe as possible right now and socially distancing and uh and, and, and until we you know get great news uh from the medical community and or technology community. I, I do think you know from a testing standpoint and if you want to call it rapid testing or those types of things, I I I hold out. Uh, I'm bullish on the fact that I, I do believe, uh, you know, we'll get we'll get news from a technology standpoint in the not so distant future, uh, as far as trying to, uh, you know, get folks gathered again. And what are those numbers look like? Well, really, only the CDC will give us recommendations in that regard. So. You know, I, we're doing the same thing, Alex. You know, we're just trying to, uh, you know, be be thoughtful during this uh, pandemic. And uh, obviously, we we uh, unfortunately suffered through one of these in uh, 1918. And uh, and if you do uh, some historical recollection there, you know, the second wave was worse than the first. And so, you know, I think uh, as tough as it is, it, you know, this is where you get to continue to be diligent. And uh, until we get uh, good news from folks, and even when we do, I'll say, open some things, I think we have to be really thoughtful about what the next uh, the next normal is. I'm not even saying new because I, I think it's the next normal. And uh, last thing I'll say uh, on this, Alex, is, you know, we've got a couple groups, uh, really kind of three groups on campus. So we have our campus as a whole and kind of figuring out what does it look like to have gatherings again on campus uh, for the fall. So that's one group. And I would say our offices work within that umbrella. Then there's two other groups that we have to be mindful of. What does it look like to go to an event? And so I'll be chairing an event, uh, excuse me, a committee that will uh, take into account many folks in Grand Forks. Uh, so it, it will be the city and Alaris and the Ralph and the Betty and UND at large and uh, folks from the uh, health district. And, and so those types of things so that everything looks similar when you're going to an event. And then the other piece uh, Eric Martinson's going to oversee is what does our day to day life look like? Um, you know, it could be it's almost like in three phases or two phases i should say if we come back and there's not a vaccine at this point but then post vaccine too so we've got to be mindful on how that all looks and uh and so those are some of the things we're having conversations about alex boy what a a lot to figure out certainly for everybody really as we move forward but certainly for the folks that are in charge of putting on events or just in charge of our college campuses across the country of how all this works out in, in these sort of new times where we're just trying to be mindful and keep people safe as best we can, but continue on with life as best we can as well. Colleges are in a unique situation because you're, you're gathering, uh, you know, individuals from literally all over the world and bringing them 
to, uh, to to your campus. And then when you're talking about intercollegiate athletics, obviously we're so interconnected with each other that we need each state to be somewhat in the same mindset because um, because it would be difficult to go play across somewhere and then come back to your own campus. And so, so all of this needs to be thought in a very unified way. And, um, yeah, it, it is interesting. And I, I do think there's going to be some things that we're going to be doing, I'll say pre-vaccine that maybe we don't do post-vaccine, but you're trying to be mindful that some of the things you're working on right now might be something you're going to put in your toolbox or your golf bag post-vaccine. <laughs> uh, well, important important work being done across all levels. And you mentioned moving forward, what things might look like. Maybe some of those things, I'm assuming a lot of those things were discussed at the recent NCAA council meetings that just happened last week. Just kind of talk us through what's the latest from an NCAA perspective, Bill. Yeah, so I think three things are happening uh, from a council perspective. Uh, one, they're meeting monthly now. And so that's a, usually a quarterly meeting. And uh, there, there is a normal April meeting, but now there's going to be a May, June, and July, and I believe August meeting as well. And so, you know, uh, talking about what does it look like to get back to action I, I would say on the micro side of life right now, on the granular side. So there were some conversations in that regard. Um, but I think the big takeaways on a broader level or a more macro level was discussing transfers and continuing on uh, with name, image, and likeness conversations. So the NIL conversation, there's a working group that's in place right now. They put, they, they were, uh, they gave a, uh, a presentation on where their work is right now. And so there's more to come on that. And uh, it's now coming out to the conferences and then the members as far as where they are right now. And so there needs to be, uh, I would say, input feedback from uh, individual institutions through their conferences on some of the things that might, uh, I'll call it, might have holes in it, or there's questions about it, or how would you, I'll say, manage that? And uh, there's just a lot of pieces to that puzzle. So I would say NIL is still on track to go to a, through the legislative process for a vote next January at the convention. That was at least the time frame that was in play. And so that's still in play. So not much more on name image likeness. I'll, I'll just, that's just the process. And so to get into the granular details of it right now, I'm not even sure is fair. I, I think it's, you know, it, let's just say pod 74 would maybe be the time to do it, not pod 70. <laughs> If that makes sense. Fair enough. No, that's a good timeline. Yeah, that's that's good to know that this will be something that will continue to be discussed, but won't really be voted upon until the 2021, you know, for the 2021-2022 season. Um, that's that's good to have that update, certainly. It's interesting for the NCAA, you know, to to really ramp up the amount of times they are getting together and probably smart to continue with these sorts of meetings on more of a frequent basis because things do seem to change really daily in some cases, but weekly now where the, the vibe is completely different than what it was last week or two weeks ago as far as how the country is doing, how the world is doing with this pandemic and with the NCAA, you know, with some really, really big events just on the horizon when you think about fall sports that are coming and how do you handle fall camp for football and, and soccer and volleyball and these other sports that are going to be getting together and all these things. It's really smart that they're getting together on a more regular basis right now just because things seem to be changing so quickly still. Yeah, I think you're right, Alex. You know, uh, obviously no one has a crystal ball and no one can really definitively say, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen in the fall. I think, you know, most campuses are, are grappling right now with uh, several what if scenarios. And uh, and I would say that's just in, in broad terms as far as what the, the fall semester may look like. And, uh, you know, again, I, I you know, it, it, you're sitting here in late April. Uh, you know, I, I don't think those decisions need 
need to be made today, but you need to be mindful of, you know, it, it's probably not, uh, it's probably uh, in the not so distant future that those co- those conversations and decisions need to be made. So I think that's probably the best way of putting it. A lot of what ifs going on. A lot of what ifs. You know, you're modeling a lot of different possibilities right now. And, uh, but, you know, I, I, I read something somewhere, you know, I, we're not on human time. We're on virus time. And, you know, I mean, that, that's the time frame we're on right now. And so we're going to learn a little bit here in real time, literally, on as states slowly begin to, uh, we'll call it reopen, and, and what that looks like. And, you know, so I, like, you, you, like you said, we're just learning literally every hour of every day. Yeah. When you mentioned states beginning to reopen, Georgia had a soft reopen sort of this week. North Dakota now is going to begin perhaps next week is what it sounded like, Governor. Doug Burgum had kind of mentioned that's kind of the new plan now to start getting things going again. There have been some universities also that have kind of come out with some new news. I know the University of Oregon just today said we are planning on having students on campus in the fall. As we just mentioned, this is a very fluid situation. But when you hear some of these things that states are planning on reopening, that universities are pledging to be back in the fall with things close to normal. Obviously, some things will be different, but students at least on campus, that's got to give you hope and should give people hope, right? That things can take place, sporting events can take place, life can sort of get back to normal come September, October. Yeah. I I mean, I think the best way to, in my mind, is that we're planning on, on, uh, on playing athletics and having students on campus in the fall. I mean, that's what we're planning on. I mean, now that doesn't necessarily mean uh, when you when you learn new information that you don't pivot or change what that is. And so, uh, um, you know, I think you know when we announced our hockey schedule, you know, uh, you know, Mitch and I had some conversation about, you know, it, do, is it fair to put any sort of qualifying language in there to some degree? And uh, honestly, Alex, we decided against it. You know, at the end of the day, we're planning on playing a full season. That's what we're planning on today. I did want to get to the hockey schedule because it is an exciting schedule. I think that's that's <laughs> that's what makes all this. And this time that we're in, we're going to talk about the draft. I'm sure the NFL draft on the B side. But when you see events like that, the CFL draft that's coming up this weekend, the hockey schedule gets released in full with all these great non-conference games in the month of October and, and destinations to Nashville and the Gophers coming to town and at Cornell. And and you think about all the great things we have to look forward to come this fall. It really does. I don't know. Hopefully, if anybody's out there that's still on the fence about like, well, you know, social distancing or should we really be wearing masks or whatever. It's just another reminder that if you really stay diligent now and do the work now and try and get this sort of behind us and and flatten that curve and all those things that we've been hearing about for weeks, that's going to enable us to do these things in the fall. These things that we're really excited about and looking forward to. That was my impression again of like, gosh, I hope that people don't ruin this for everybody because this is going to be a phenomenal fall. And especially when you haven't had sports for a while for it to come back with such a bang like this, I just, I can't wait. It's going to be fantastic. Assuming everything happens the way we want it to. Yeah. You know, and that was the whole idea of putting together the event operations group. And I I think when you go into the Alara center, if you go into Chester Fritz, if you go into the Ralph or the Betty, it, it should look similar. It should look the same. There should, there should be a feel to it. If let's just say five things are being done there that maybe looks a little like different than what was last year. I, those same five things should be at each, at each venue. And so that's kind of the idea behind that particular group. And uh, yeah, no, it's exciting. I, you know, uh, I, I, again, I, I, I put my faith in humankind to, to try to, you know, handle this the way we need to handle it. And then uh, knock on wood, hopefully the folks that are, are, are working on some of the things, both from a medical standpoint and from a technology standpoint, can uh, really come through with some things that uh, maybe we never even thought of existed at this point in time in an expedited way. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I mean, that's necessity is the, the mother of invention, right? I mean, that's just, and we need something. We need something to help us get back to normal. So That's you mentioned right. the NCAA council met last week. The NCHC also met as a conference via Zoom, of course, instead of being in Florida with everybody like normal. Uh, talk us through what some of the big talking points were from the NCHC meetings, Bill, this past week. 
Yeah, you know, I, we're actually at halftime right now as we record mm-hmm. right now. So we end up uh, uh, when when the administrators go down. So kind of how it works is the head coaches will meet first, and that was yesterday. And then today, uh, the ads and head coaches will meet with each other and uh, just sort of get a feel for what the coaches were discussing uh, yesterday, and and then really go down any other path that needs to. Now I'll call it in a normal year you kind of get into the you know things that might have happened throughout the year things that need to be tweaked from a policy standpoint some of those types of things uh obviously as you might imagine the covid piece uh is dominating the conversation at this point what are states doing what are institutions doing obviously we're a conference that uh has multiple states involved at this stage and so it's incredibly important for us to know what's going on uh literally on the ground and that's really what today was and so uh much like I indicated, you know, previously, none of us have a crystal ball. So we don't know what that, uh, you know, entails moving forward. But I think, uh, again, uh, Josh, you know, uh, uh, will be thoughtful about what if scenarios moving forward. So then on Thursday, we're recording this today on a Tuesday uh, afternoon. Uh, Thursday, the administrators, uh, ADs uh, and faculty athletic reps and the uh, and Josh and his staff will get together uh, in a meeting as well and discuss, you know, grind through some other administrative type of topics, if you will, that maybe have nothing to do in a sense with the games itself. It could be more on the financial side of life and those types of things. So that's kind of how it works. The other piece that, uh, you know, probably connected with the council meeting and with the NCHC is discussing the transfers. And so that's that's certainly something that's out there right now. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, the transfer conversation. I, um, um, I I'll, like I said, I, I've. I've been fascinated to see how it's gone the last several years and how we get through this iteration of it as well. Interesting. When you see as much movement, and it happens every year, but you know, we've, we've seen the amount of transfers increase over the last couple of years in, in really all sports. This offseason, especially because things happened a little bit earlier and because there is so much uncertainty and we're not really sure when sports are going to resume. We have seen a lot of even, you know, UND people, people that we know, especially on the men's basketball side, the women's basketball side, benefiting from a couple of transfers, as as have the men. The hockey team, of course, benefited big time last year from Weston Mashad coming over as a grad transfer. That's a little different situation. But this is a very prevalent thing in NCAA athletics. And there's a lot of, you know, riding, I think, a lot at stake, really, depending on what they decide to do, whether this one-time switch is approved for this next year or whether or not that gets tabled for another year. What are your thoughts? So this is an interesting, um, interesting conversation for a couple different reasons. One. So today, literally today, the board of governors are having their meetings. So that is the group that really makes decisions regarding the NCAA made up primarily of presidents. And so that group is meeting today on Tuesday and Wednesday. And one of the um, items that they will be discussing, currently there's a moratorium on discussing anything legislatively regarding transfers. So the question's gonna be, can that moratorium be lifted so that a discussion by the council can be had next month to decide whether or not this is a transfer legislation issue or is it a waiver issue? And so, so what's happened? And again, it's it's a bit confusing even for folks that are in it, and they may not understand to some degree. There's really two ways in which a student athlete can go from school A to school B and be immediately eligible. One is not to play in one of five sports: football, the two basketballs, hockey, and baseball, and you have a one-time transfer. Uh, exception, or you could get a waiver that has nothing in a sense to do with transfer legislation. And to say, you know, um, for X reasons, I believe I should be immediately eligible. And now that's not even talking about the graduate space, which we can talk about that as well. But, but, But if you're talking about an undergraduate transfer today as it sits, 
in those five sports that I mentioned, you have to sit out a year unless you're granted a waiver. And so a lot of this conversation has been, let's just give blanket waivers to those five sports. Well, I'm not sure that gets to the heart of this, because at the end of the day, this really is a legislative transfer issue. And so that was the wrestling match slash conversation at the last council meeting. And now it's going to be in the board of governors uh, chairs to decide, okay, we can relax or loosen or remove the moratorium on transfer legislation so that potentially maybe can vote, get voted in the next legislation process. And so that's really what's happening at this stage. So, uh, you know, could, could it come back where they just discuss putting a blanket waiver in place for everybody? Possibly. I think there's many of us, I, me included, that it's let's just clean up the transfer legislation and get it to where we want it to be, whatever that means, as an association. I may decide what I think I would like. I'll say this, we may not win. And so at the end of the day, you know, it might, but, but the legislation will be what it will be. And so today, as it sits, if you're in one of those five sports, you still have to sit out a year. That's still what you have to do unless you get a waiver. And what's happened is the whole waiver process over the course of time has evolved to many more waivers have been granted, some have not, and there's been a feeling that maybe there's a lack of, I'll call it consistency, but at the end of the day, no one knows the particulars of those particular waivers. Does that all make sense? I think that was well explained. Yeah, because I, I think when you look at it from an outside perspective over the last couple of years, non-UND people, you've seen major college football quarterbacks granted waivers really for the flimsiest of reasons because they just lost out on the starting spot at their university and wanted to go someplace else. And you can kind of come up with anything and be able to move on. And it just sort of feels like you, we just need to tighten some things up a little bit or, or, or like you said, go the opposite direction and just say, hey, Let's just do this one. Yeah, let's change the wording of this. So this allows people to do this if they if that's what the NCAA wants to do. No, that's that's good to know that that's going to happen soon, that we'll know then for sure if this can be something that will be discussed next month in the council or if they will say, nope, we're just going to continue to keep pushing this ahead, kicking that can down the road and uh, seeing what happens in the next couple of months. No, well, good to know. I, I, well, I, well said. Well, I think there's a I think there's you know, at least several of us that if you're going to go down a path with really going down uh, a different uh, mindset with NIL and then potentially maybe adding transfers into the legislation, do it all at once in a sense and get it, get it ready for August of 21, if you will, so that it gives everyone some time to kind of think this through. But I don't, as I sit here, literally, as we're potting right now, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether or not the Board of Governors will loosen up that moratorium. If they don't, then the council has to come back and have the conversation about potentially granting blanket waivers for everyone, uh, you know, at least on a one-time basis. In that way, that gets to basically what we're talking about is that everyone gets a chance to, to transfer one time. Now, having said that, those are just kind of the mechanics of it. Philosophically, you could go, you could, we could, we could spend a lot of time on yeah, this pod a, about the philosophical yeah. sides of things. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, because there, if you want to look at it for like, I'll call it fairness. Okay. That's one Avenue, right? Or educational pursuits. That's a whole nother lens. And so there's data that suggests when you do transfer, it makes it more difficult to graduate. I mean, that, that's just the, the Committee on Academics has that data. Now, does that make it right or wrong? Any, everyone can debate that. And so it'll just be interesting to see where we end up going with this. So we'll end up, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, here's, the, here's, here's my truth, Alex. Here's my truth. Everyone's going to benefit 
win or lose, I mean, over the course of time when it comes to transferring. Transferring is not going away. It's always going to be a part of the uh, what's happening, and it should be. I mean, it, it, you know, if if you if you are a student athlete and you are a student and you in life circumstances have changed and there's a better opportunity somewhere else there for you. I have zero problem with that. And in fact, those are sometimes the best case scenarios. The question becomes, are you immediately eligible or not? And that's that's really what's, again, being debated right now. Yeah, interesting. Well, we'll certainly be watching the the headlines here in the next uh, couple days and next month, if that's going to be the case or not, because obviously that would affect a lot of our teams who have either brought in transfers or are seeing kids debate whether or not they want to leave, if they could be ready to go in the fall or the, or the winter or the spring, depending on the sport, or if they're going to have to wait and uh, wait their turn until 2021. So interesting stuff there. Um, one of the neat things that UND has done to keep sort of the channels of communication open with their fans has been this Fighting Hawks virtual fan forum, Bill. And you you and I were a part of that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Brad Derry was a part of it to kick things off. We've had Bubba Schweigert, um, Mallory Bernhard, Paul Sather. They've all been a part of that. What's It feels like the reception has been really, really good. The viewership has been really high. Great fan feedback. Uh, just kind of talk through what's the department has seen in that, how that's been really a success in your mind. Yeah, I, I you know, appreciate you doing it, Alex, as well. I, you know, I think it was the right thing for us to do at the right time. Certainly the month of April, we felt like, you know, there was just such a suddenness of to just everything stopping that we felt like there needed to be uh, some connectivity with uh, programs that were kind of in that bucket, so to speak, that stopped so quickly. And so uh, that was the month of April. And I think that worked out great as we're heading toward May. We are, you know, thinking through, you know, what does it look like in the summer at this point in time? I think we're pausing, kind of reevaluating at this stage of the game. It's one of those things now I feel like we have in our toolbox to use at any point in time, should we want to use that. And again, I'll say this, you know, uh, you know, post COVID, I, I still think there's going to be a room possibly for doing something like that. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. And so, you know, uh, more to come. I think it has been a success. You know, I appreciate the fans, all of our fans that, that took part. And, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty of it is you didn't have to do it live either. So you could kind of do it on demand as well. So um, our staff did a, a, just a great job of kind of pulling that all together. And, uh, you know, we were excited about the results and uh, probably more to come, but nothing on the horizon that's scheduled at this point. It was a fun new way to connect with people, I think. And that, that's sort of been the unique thing about the last two months. And we've mentioned this before in conversation, the fact that more is being done this way via via Zoom or via Skype or, or Messenger, what, whatever. There's new ways to communicate and connect and reach out to fans. And once we do start to go back to kind of the normal, whatever the new normal looks like, this will probably be, as you mentioned, pieces in the toolbox that you can go back to, little little you know opportunities that you can use to connect with folks that maybe we didn't explore before because you didn't feel like you needed to. And now it's like, oh, this is actually a pretty good resource. One of the many positive things, one of the silver linings of being quarantined for two months. And being yeah, nice. yeah, I you know I think you're right, and uh, you know it, it, there's going to be room for us to do uh, something like this, uh, you know, occasionally for sure. And I think you know we're going to be thoughtful uh, depending on you know what transpires here in the next, let's just say, two weeks to month. And if we feel like there's a point in time where there needs to be connectivity again to some level, um, we'll go ahead and do that. That's the reason why we're potting today. I, I kind of felt like, you know, even in the podcast world, you know, the one thing that, you know, you and I have talked about certainly off air and it, it, or, or off pod is that consistency is a huge deal. And so if people can count on it and, and certainly during uh, normal times on a weekly basis makes a whole lot of sense. But I think right now, you know, you and I are kind of thinking in terms of maybe on a monthly basis makes sense, you know, so just to kind of catch up and make sure that people know uh, kind of what we know at this stage. And so uh, I think we could probably put this right into the category of that in some way, shape or form. 
Yeah, that's. I agree. It's good to have base touches. I know we've talked. It, it's tough to sort of do things on a weekly basis when there's not much necessarily that compiles over the course of seven days. But there's a lot going on if you look back over the three, four weeks or so since the last time we potted. So if you're listening, that is the plan for the future to continue to touch base once, maybe twice a month if things start to pick up. If and when life gets back to normal, then we'll start going back to to the old regular to get closer to 100 sooner than later. But uh, for, for right now, this will sort of be the plan moving forward. Um, which one shout out, by the way, too, even in the midst of these times when there's not much going on, uh, the UND Athletics Department and the Sports Information Department in general have done a great job of putting out content, whether online, uh, through through Twitter or Facebook, but, but also on the UND Athletics webpage, fightinghawks.com. There were some really great write-ups this past week on softball and hockey with those two sports having their seasons cut short. There have been a lot of good resources on there as well, just for fans that are looking for more information. It's it's just been neat to sort of stay in touch with what's going on or at least find some closure with some of these sports through that resource as well. Yeah, no, no question about it, Alex. We, uh, you know, we were thoughtful about what made sense for us as far as content. And uh, I thought that, you know, certainly uh, the group led by Mitch Wigness and, uh, and Nicole Brush have, have done a nice job of, of kind of uh, threading a needle, if you will, and making sure that we're doing a good job of getting content out there. And, and, and I'll say this loosely, right, appropriate content at, at this point in time, because we are kind of in a different place. But, you know, we wanted to highlight um, the achievements of our teams and, and to our student athletes and, you know, some of the things that, that they're doing. In fact, we're, we're in the process right now of kind of doing, I'll call it a virtual night of champions, not necessarily with all of our student athletes kind of in a webinar. That's not the case, but you'll get some. Uh, we're still voting, if you will, on, on those categories, and we're going to get roll those out uh, here in the upcoming weeks. And so, you know, those are the things you want to stay as as, as true as you can to make sure that we're doing the right things uh, and doing right by our students. Yeah, very good. We'll look for that. That'll be fun to look forward to come May with some of the typical annual awards that you see, male athlete, female athlete of the year, team of the year, rookie of the year, et cetera, for the entire athletics department. Good stuff on the way from UND Sports. Bill, anything else from your perspective you want to touch on from an A side? Anything else going on UND or NCAA? Yeah. So last thing uh, I'll touch on is thank you for those who have uh, um, already renewed their season tickets. That is in process right now. And uh, the deadline is May 31st. And so uh, I know we, we looked at some of the numbers at this point in time. And in our fan base is so awesome, Alex. I mean, let's start there. And uh, already based on where we were last year, we're still at 90% of where we were last year at this time. Oh, and wow. so, um, you know, and again, uh, there, you'd have to talk to Kyle Doporalski to get really behind the numbers. So he, he kind of gave me the, the bottom line that the, the <laughs> net, net, he knew that's the only thing I could handle. And so, so, so if you ask me any more questions on that, I got nothing for you. So, but the, at the end of the day, um, that's so cool. And so we appreciate all of our fans uh, really, you know, uh, kind of uh, renewing. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I do believe I, I, I try to be incredibly glass half full. And, uh, you know, I, I still think we're, you know, we're going through some obviously difficult times as as a, as a nation and, and as a world. But, you know, better days are ahead for sure. Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention, and it's kind of a neat thing, and it really it's not an athletics thing. But I, I think there was some conversation uh, in, in, from Kyle's chair to some degree, and then obviously folks uh, at Midco, but um, the inaugural virtual drone racing tournament on May 2nd and 3rd is going to be aired by Midco, which That's I think is right. so awesome. Yeah, yeah. And this is this is a cool deal. Obviously, at the HPC, that has sort of been the hub of drone racing, indoor drone racing um, for a little bit now. And I think UND is playing a part in this and connecting these drone racers that are from are coming from across the country and they're in their basement, of course, but it's a, uh, it's going to be a neat thing. And someone had reached out from the organization to Midco a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, we're, we're doing this thing in conjunction with UND, any interest in airing this? And we looked at our calendar and you know, I mean, not a lot of new stuff going on in the world of sports right now to put on the air. And we know um, Mike Mike Derman, who's our coordinating producer up in, in Grand Forks, who's such a great guy, loves drone racing, and was like, yeah, let's get this on the air. So he was kind of one of the driving forces to make this happen. But it's going to be fun, a two-night event with, uh, you know, 
virtual drone racing. If ESPN can air the, you know, uh, a, a NBA 2K tournament for like days on ends because there's nothing else going on in prime time, why can't we air drone racing, right? It's something. It's something to watch. I, I, I agree. So last year we we hosted obviously uh, physically live and in person uh, the uh, the collegiate drone racing championships. And, uh, you know, it, it is neat. Uh, I'll tell you, it, it is quite I didn't know what to expect, Alex, last year. Okay, start there, okay? So I really didn't know what to expect, but it's fast. It's fast. And, you know, they're, they're, they're smaller drones, if you will. And, um, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's exactly what you would think of, kind of an obstacle course, if you will, that you have to go through. And um, it's quite amazing. It really is. And so, uh, yeah, I think, I, think it'll be, I think it'll be cool. I mean, I really do. And so, uh, yeah, so for, for those of you that are listening, May 2nd and May 3rd on, on Midco's Airwaves, uh, it'll be the uh, virtual drone racing tournament uh, hosted by UND and the Research of Institute for Autonomous Systems. So it'll be really cool. Yeah, it should be fun. I think seven to nine, I think, both nights. I think Saturday is going to be sort of the preliminary rounds, and then Sunday will be the championship, is is my understanding. So it should be fun. Tune in. If you can DVR the last dance on Sunday and then tune in to uh, Susan Drone Racing on Saturday, Sunday night. This may be a good time to flip to the B side. I feel like, <laughs> like Let's we're do wandering. It. Let's we're drifting do it. in that direction. Yes. Uh, just a couple things to touch on. We, we've been talking about how there hasn't been any kind of sporting events to sort of follow or national stuff really for a couple of months now but we did have a couple of drafts this past week with the WNBA draft first and of course the NFL draft which dominated the ratings this past weekend's thoughts on the virtual draft bill better worse the same what do you yeah, think no i i thought that uh, you know, I, I didn't have really much, uh, you know, comment on it other than I thought it was great for, uh, for, for, for guys that were going to get drafted and they can start their professional career and know what teams have drafted them. And so I think just to have some normalcy to some degree and keep that going, uh, that's kind of where I fell on that. You know, I, from what I gather, um, you know, from, uh, and you would know this better than anybody, but I, I'm hearing Trey Wingo did a really good job of kind of sort of making sure that thing all happened and coordinated it. And I wouldn't even know what that all entailed but supposedly he did a really nice job yeah super super impressive i mean that's that's a ch if you're hosting a draft like that and especially the nfl draft because it's three days it's seven rounds it's two however 200 however many players and there are so many different talking heads that you're working with that's hard when you're sitting next to the people that you're doing the draft with and to run the show like he did when you're connecting with not just people that you know well from ESPN, but then the NFL Network analysts were involved as well because they were simulcasting it on both because you, you couldn't really do it with, with two separate feeds because you only had the you know complicated thing. But they, I was really impressed. Obviously, it wasn't like seamless, but how is it ever going to be when you've got delays and you've got technology that are connecting people from all across the country? No, I was really impressed with the coverage. And it was kind of neat that you got a chance to see inside these NFL GM and head coach living rooms and to see... Bill Belichick's kitchen area with his dog sitting at the table and to see Cliff Kingsbury's ridiculous like Miami Vice pad in the desert like it's just it's really funny to kind of get that impression but it was fun to see the kids with their dads and you know the families together celebrating these picks and uh, and really again someone made a good point like initially when they said the draft was still going on I kind of had an eyebrow raised like what are they doing like this isn't this doesn't quite feel right that you're just sort of saying, yeah, everything's fine. We're just going to do this. But then somebody mentioned the draft is just a TV show. And it's not like that we're putting people in danger or we're, we're really exposing people unnecessarily. Everybody's just in their basement or in their living room watching this and being drafted. And it's it made sense. It was a great normal thing to do at the end of April that gave us something to look forward to, gave, gave sports writers across the country a ton of content to get excited about. I've never read more draft coverage in my life, and I really, and I really like the NFL draft. It just, it was great to have something like this on the calendar, and I'm glad it went off without a hitch. And we'll see how this changes the draft in the years to come.
Yeah, I mean, I think two things. I think one, obviously, there must have been some folks that had to be in Bristol, right, to stick handle that. For so, sure. so, so for sure. Now, again, I, I, my guess is they took incredible precautions as far as how they, you know, uh, handled that, you know, behind the scenes, if you will. Um, but yeah, I think much like we talked about on the A side, Alex, I think maybe there's a combination or hybrid of of utilizing, you know, I'll say this technology or even format in so that you kind of have live and sort of this as well. And I, I think there's room for both of that. Uh, educationally, honestly, I think, you know, same thing. I think the one thing we're learning right now is that maybe the answer is both. You can do, you can do, a, I think there's no, uh, I, I, I think there's, there's such a significant ability to learn outside the classroom when you're in a physical environment. But I do think there's now room to really kind of think through what's next because now you have this technology too. And so I think that's what this, I'll call it timeframe that we're in right now is allowing probably a lot of industries to do, to really rethink what does it look like when quote unquote, we come back. No, good call. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the Pittsburgh Steeler draft which did not have a first-round pick because of the Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I thought um, very vanilla, and I thought it was was okay as far as I know. I think a lot of... need based draft. I mean, they, I, I think they just, they handled uh, guys that maybe will be more, I'll call them special teamers initially. And then maybe they, they work themselves into starting roles at some point in time. But um, yeah, I, I've been never been a draft grade guy. Like I just, I just ha- like, I'd rather not win the draft, but win that the guys were actually good on the field. Yeah. Like, like that's better to me. Like, like, like people saying whatever about the Patriots draft. Well, this just in, my guess is they know way more about what they're doing than we do. And yeah. so, you know, because they didn't take a quarterback that may never even play in the NFL, I'm not sure that makes their draft a failure. Yeah, I would agree. I think it's just, it's real tough to sort of jump on these. Now, sometimes you sort of can because, you know, yeah. If there's a guy that you could take in the third rounds and you take him at the end of the first, you know, sometimes there, you got to read the room a little bit and understands, hey, maybe if we really wanted this guy, maybe we could just wait or trade down and pick up some more assets. But it's really hard to knock teams because they took players they liked or who were successful in college. You just don't know. We, we see guys who are undrafted all the time go on to have incredible professional careers and guys who were top five, top ten picks not, not amount to much. And yeah. in the moment, it seems like, you know, it's easy to judge teams. I think we get a little too excited about judging. And honestly, too, someone, Ryan Rosillo brought this up the other day. That's sort of what sports writers are supposed to do. Like, you can't sort of just say, yeah, we'll see. You know, you need to have an opinion. That's sort of part of the profession. And people like that stuff. So I don't blame people for saying, oh, yeah. The Jets had a good had a had a bad draft, or the the Packers, for example. Everybody said the Packers had the worst draft because they took a backup quarterback and maybe a third string running back and with their first two picks and didn't get Aaron Rodgers any help. But you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what teams are looking at. Um, by the way, for the Steelers, Chase Claypool's good. That receiver you got from Notre Dame, I think that's going to work out pretty well. That that was a good pick in the second round. Really deep receiver class. He he's going to give you something different than what you've had the last couple of years. Well, the one thing you can say, it seems like certain teams have a knack for uh, for drafting certain positions. The Steelers have been unbelievable drafting wide receivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable. And so I, I, if he works out along with the other young guys coming back, that's a pretty good receiving core. And mm-hmm. from what I can tell is if Chase goes to the outside, then that moves Juju back into the slot. And, and now all of a sudden, you almost made the pick to do that. And now all of a sudden, life could be a little bit more interesting. I think James Washington came on at the end last year. And so, uh, it, it, hey, it's pretty simple for the Steelers. Uh, Ben's got to be back. Yeah. And if he's not back, it really doesn't matter, ultimately. Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I like the duck, but, you know, um, there, the there are limits. Backup. He's back. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, can, he can get you through a couple games. But I don't think you're looking at 
hoisting a trophy with either of those guys. Um, you know, and I think the Patriots, you know, with, with Stidham, I, you know what, might as well kind of see what you have at this point in time. I, I you know, and again, they, they've had the opportunity. And again, I would assume it's just fascinating to me that Cam's still out there. I mean, obviously Cam must want starter dollars and want to be a starter. And maybe someone's not necessarily promising them that at this point. That's how it feels. There's been a lot of Cam's New England buzz in the last couple of days, obviously because the Patriots didn't pick a quarterback. But it seems like from a salary cap situation, New England has no flexibility, and they would have to, they'd have to make some serious roster moves to pull something off. Assuming Cam does want, you know, a, a, a contract that is worth, you know, a former MVP. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Winston to the Saints sort of ties up that loose ends. It's really just Cam and Andy Dalton is the only two sort of starting caliber quarterbacks that are available right now. So we'll see. It feels like everything New England is saying is that they're comfortable with Sidham. They like him a lot. They want to see what he's got. As you mentioned, their draft was was interesting like it usually is. A D2 safety in the second round, a couple of tight ends in round three and four. I just you never know what what the plan is, but uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting season, assuming that it does take place in September, like we think. It'll be a, a very interesting lead up to the season for the Pats, and we'll see how things go in year one of the post-Brady era. Speaking of sports coming back, on the soccer side of things, it's been really interesting. I'm not sure how much you've been able to follow some of the things that are going on across the pond, but every country has vastly different ideas about when things are going to begin. We, we've got the Bundesliga in Germany who is saying May the 9th. We could come back as early as May 9th. They're voting as a government today whether or not they're going to allow that to sort of happen. But it sounds like by mid-May, Bundesliga games are going to take place in empty stadiums, and that's going to happen. Meanwhile, in Spain and in France, La Liga and Ligue 1, two of the other major leagues in Europe, they have both essentially canceled their season. Spain or France today said no games till September, so the season's over. France, uh, Spain has kind of said, yeah, we don't know. We're just kind of waiting to see. Maybe late summer, maybe. It's just so unique. how all, And then England has said, yeah, we have no idea. TBD. <laughs> we, nobody's training. We're just waiting to see. It really is fascinating to see how these countries are going about pro sports and how that might affect potentially sports here in the United States. Well, Alex, then really, honestly, what you're doing then is making the point for how um, interesting it might be for intercollegiate athletics. State to state. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, really. And so, you know, I, I and, and, and again, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in the really half glass full box is that it's still a bit early right now. It, 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 you know, I, I think we don't know everything we don't know at this stage. And I, I start thinking back about what we knew 30 days ago compared to, you know, today's pod and what we may know 30 days from now. And so I just think we need to be malleable. We need to be thoughtful about, you know, what it is it, it could look like. And, um, you know, for us in intercollegiate athletics, it's about the health of the institution. It's about it's about the institutions being healthy and making sure that when we get post this, we're as strong as we can be. Uh, you know, the professional sports league have like different, uh, how should I say, lenses that they've got to look through. And so, you know, although you can look at them from just how they're approaching it standpoint and how they're doing events, I think they have far different, um, far different uh uh, oh, I, uh, far different things that they've got to be concerned about. Whereas we've got a student body again, coming from all over the world, uh, you know, descending upon campuses across the, the country. And so th those are things that are just interesting, but yeah, I've been following a little bit and it is, you know, some folks have kind of taken the wait and see approach while others have just said, yep, no, we're done at this point in time. Now, my guess it's based on, you know, how the outbreak has gone from country to country. And, and that is true to some extent. Obviously, Spain was extremely hard hit by this and had a really high death toll and things were really bad there. Ironically, though, Italy, which is probably outside of now, I guess, the U.S., the most reported cases, at least, of coronavirus and and fatality because of it, they're still on the fence and they're trying to push to get the league back and, and, and get things going in Syria. So it's interesting to see those two dynamics. The one thing we've we've learned through this and, and maybe it, we come back and how we 
view sports, uh, I'll say physically, could be altered, maybe forever, how that works. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad, just an is. But I do think we understand the value that people have uh, to, to uniting and rooting for a cause and, and to have it part of their, their, their literal daily life. And, um, I, you know, that's kind of the cool piece that, that we do know that it is important, but we need to also be safe and thoughtful that for us in intercollegiate athletics, there's a bigger picture called higher ed that we need to be thoughtful of. But at the end of the day, boy, I, I do believe people do value it though, or at least a large subset does value it not maybe not everyone but i think a large subset does that's a big part of the culture and it's a big part of like you said day-to-day life for a lot of people on this planet you know sport is is what it is for a reason because you have a lot of folks out there that gravitate towards cheering for something the camaraderie that comes with it you know the the thrill and the exhilaration of sort of living vicariously through these teams and athletes and there's and and again the the togetherness when you get into a stadium of whether it's 12,000 people at the Ralph or it's, you know, 96,000 at the big house or, or whatever. I mean, there's, there's something special about coming together like that. And that's even if we start sports again and there is nobody physically in the stadium, you're still coming together in the virtual space from your basement, connecting with people in different ways. Yeah, I think this is this is really shown, I think, how important it is to our country and to the planet as well. Well, the final the final thing I'll say, and maybe this will this will be it for me at this point, is uh, you know the, the life lessons you learn, right? It's it, there's just there's the ability to just learn it, to to fail, and you know what? Sometimes that's that's a lesson that is immeasurable over the course of time. And how do you come back from that? And all of those lessons, and it's really you know. Disappointing, sad that you know, you know. Forget about the intercollegiate uh, level, but all the high schools and all the youth sports, and 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 you know, all those lessons are incredibly important for for all of our our, our youth growing up, and that's why it's incredibly important that we you know we get some good news at some point in time. You know, again, from either the medical side or the technology side, some, something to get us rolling again, because I think those are the lessons that we're kind of missing out on right now, and you know. I think we're going to really value it again when when it kind of comes back to the to the next normal. Yeah, amen. Yeah, best of luck to our our medical team out there, the first responders, people that are on the front lines of all this, and as well as the folks in the lab that are trying to figure out a vaccine or figure out what the best way is to find a test that is is inexpensive that can get to people quickly so we know what's going on. All those things that are in place, uh, just our thoughts and prayers have been with those folks for a long time, and that will continue now in the weeks and months to come as we try and figure out a way to get to, to either live with this or beat this and move forward. And for anyone that, you know, has lost a loved one during this time, you know, certainly our thoughts and prayers uh, for you as well. So, you know, again, I, I hopefully this pod, uh, you know, helps a little bit. I mean, hopefully we went down a few different paths. I do think, though, three to four weeks is probably the right time frame for us to to try to do a, another one. I, I'm sure that we'll have a list of other things we can go over. And and again, knowing literally and, and here's here's, I guess, our my pledge to you, maybe Alex and, and, and anyone that's uh, hung on this long with us is. Is, uh, is, you know, maybe after the next council meeting makes sense. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, because they're going to meet again in May. And so we'll know more at that stage. And then that'll give us some things to, to potentially rehash. Love it. Sounds good. All right. So plan on that a couple of weeks from now, a little more information on the Bill Chaves podcast. Until then, Bill, stay safe. Enjoy the extra time with your family. Best of luck again, figuring out all of this from a UN- University of North Dakota athletics perspective as we move forward. Awesome. Thanks, Alex. All right. Appreciate you, buddy. Bill Chaves for Cassie Niles, our producer. I am Alex Seinert. Thanks again for listening. Be safe. Be well. Enjoy the time. Make the most of it. And we'll be in touch.